to Syria, Alternative Dialogues, a podcast hosted by Syrian Center for Policy Research in cooperation with Security in Context and the Arab Studies Institute. This podcast discusses domestic and transnational political, economic, and social challenges in Syria's protracted conflict. It provides a platform for evidence-based dialogue and knowledge production using research to inform narratives and policies about Syria. Welcome, everyone, to Alternative Dialogues for Syria. In this introduction, we will introduce the three partners who are responsible and participate together to produce this podcast. My name is Rabia Nasser. I am a researcher in the Syrian Center for Policy Research, the first partner. And I'm joined by Omar Dahi, who is a professor of economics based in Hampshire College in the U.S., and also the project director of Security in Context Initiative. Bassam Haddad, who is director of the Middle East and Islamic Studies program at George Mason University and a board member of ASI, among many other things. Welcome both. We are very excited about this starting point after long preparation. Thank you, Rabia. It's great to be with you and Bassam today. Great. Let's start by introducing the three institutions who are hosting and participating in producing this podcast. I will start by the Syria Center for Policy Research, which is founded on 2011 in Syria and then moved to be based now in Beirut and Vienna. SCPR is an independent non-for-profit research center concentrate mainly on the issues related to the Syria conflict and the root of the conflict. We produce policy-oriented research and use this evidence to improve dialogue on Syria during the last 11 years. Also, we use a participatory approach and heterodox approach to create alternatives for the future in participation with the Syrian people. This is in brief. I will move to Bassam and Omar to introduce ASI and SIC. Thank you, Labia. The Arab Studies Institute is actually a nonprofit organization that has established itself at the center of knowledge production map of the knowledge production map on the Middle East and the United States, Europe and the region. It serves as an institute in its own right and as an umbrella for five organizations that bring to different audiences unique knowledge, scrutiny, voice and critique that is seldom found under any one roof because of the variety of institutions that makes up the Arab Studies Institute including the Arab Studies Journal, a peer-reviewed journal, Jadalia, a daily uh, analysis publication online, Quilting Point Productions, which produces audiovisual material, FAMA, Forum on Arab and Muslim Affairs, which is the research arm that includes many projects like the Knowledge Production Project and Middle East Studies Pedagogy Initiative, and Tatween Publishing. And this year, we are celebrating our 30th year in existence, so we are very excited. And thanks to people like Rabia and Omar and many others that have collaborated with us throughout the years. Thank you, Bassam. You are very welcome. And Omar, please, can you introduce Security in Context? Sure. Thanks, Rabia, and uh, thanks, Bassam. Once again, it's really great to be joining this initiative. We're longtime collaborators in a variety of contexts, but I want to just talk a little bit about Security in Context, which was launched about two years ago. So Security in Context is a transnational research initiative on peace, conflict, and international affairs, whose goal is to really examine how different processes, such as environmental injustice, 
uh, global inequalities, including class, gender, and other inequalities, as well as militarism and securitization throughout the world, how these three processes and others combine to create insecurity for populations throughout the planet. And our goal is through collaborative research, such as this initiative and other research and pedagogical initiatives, as well as public policy dialogue and the cooperation with centers and organizations and individuals throughout the Global South to think about and produce socially just alternatives, emancipatory alternatives, ways out of the current impasses that uh, we face throughout the planet. Thank you very much, Omar. And yes, we are very glad to, uh, to have this discussion, conversation, and to develop this dialogue. As you can see, our listeners, uh, that the three organizations work in the knowledge production and in the dialogue and the linking between different actors, different institutions. But we have different scopes as well, from the concentration on the global south to the concentration on the knowledge of production in the Middle East to concentration on Syria as a scope. So we hope that it will be more rich information, narrative, discussion, and results. Thank you, Sam and Omar. And now we will discuss in this episode, why do we need a new podcast for Syria? Why do we need to discuss the issues of the conflict, research, knowledge production, etc., in a new space, in a new podcast, while there's many spaces, places, and venues that discuss uh, Syria and the Syria conflict. But first, let me start by highlighting some key issues and assumptions. The first one that, as we agreed as, as three institutions, that this podcast is important to bridge the gap between the knowledge production institutions and the wide audience. The audience, from this perspective, are full partner in this podcast. Through the discussion, the dialogue, the feedback. So what we want from the podcast is to make the knowledge production accessible by a wider audience, especially in the case of a huge grievances, injustices, such as Syria, so the knowledge will be very important for people for different reasons to build their capabilities and increase their options. Also, this podcast adheres to a high ethical research and in dialogue. So what we are trying to do in this space, to be using the evidence from the research, but also to be committed to the key research ethics and dialogue ethics as well. Because this is not a random space. This is a space that we want from it to consider the issues related to the rights of the people, the entitlement of the people, and the better representation of the society and marginalized people. The third issue is that we are not using the scope to concentrate on the geography of Syria. We are looking for the local, national, regional, and international scope. So we are looking for the context, the global and regional and national context to understand better the issues that we are tackling through this podcast. Finally, as a technical point, we will have episodes in English and others in Arabic. So it will be a variety of uh, sessions and discussions and dialogues that will engage more audience for the Syrians first and for the people who are interested to understand Syria or to intervene in Syria. 
Now, if we go to the main objectives of this podcast, we highlight three key objectives that we want to talk about today. The first one is the context of knowledge production on Syria. The second one, the discussion about research methodologies. And finally, we will discuss the third objective, which is the transformative research. We can start with the discussion of the knowledge of production on Syria before and during the conflict with Bassam. And maybe you can highlight the implications of the knowledge of production during this period, how this changed and how this affects our narrative, our understanding of the Syria conflict and how we can move forward in this regard. Thanks, Rabia. I'll try to be brief because this is a mammoth topic that I think will be recurring throughout. One of the starting points in our discussions is the fact that we observe a schism or perhaps a rupture in knowledge production on Syria caused by the profound transformation of the country at all levels since the start of the 2011 uprising. This rupture is multifaceted and has significantly affected knowledge production on Syria, especially cumulative knowledge production that stretches back and forth in time and space. I will address one principal aspect with some focus on scholarship because scholarship requires a different dynamic and set of precepts. But I'm confident that the broader topic of this issue of schism would be a recurring theme as I shared throughout this and future podcasts. One starting point is the basic observation that most knowledge producers on Syria before 2011 have not been able to continue their research in the same manner, particularly in terms of fieldwork. This refers mainly to those living outside Syria, but also applies to most local scholars and writers who were relatively quickly cut off from the rest of Syria's territory after March 2011, based on their privileges and access and so on. The Syria they knew and studied changed radically rather quickly and produced new social, political, economic, infrastructural, and territorial realities that upset existing frameworks for understanding the structures, dynamics, and processes within the country. So we have two Syrias, the one we knew and studied before 2011 and initially ever-changing thereafter. In the post-2011 period, knowledge production on Syria was restricted mostly to those with access, mostly journalists, independent or nascent writers who just sprung up, various think tank type writers, mostly from the region and abroad, which means outside Syria. This included maverick journalists and activists who made it a point to explore as much territory and settings across Syria as possible, despite constraints. And much of this new cohort altogether, especially non-Syrians, have just embarked on studying or researching Syria in 2011, which means that this is the starting point of their serious study of Syria. Therefore, the new knowledge on Syria, besides its constrained nature given access to information, is essentially fractured and compartmentalized in time and space, based in large measure on one's locale, unless they were fortunate enough to access multiple settings within Syria or territories, which became increasingly challenging. So we have a new and compartmentalized study of knowledge produced primarily by those who did not study Syria and Syria's history and dynamics prior to the conflict. In short, they do not possess, or many of them do not possess a robust historical knowledge of the country. And sometimes based on the topics they dealt with, they didn't have to. A good measure of this new knowledge that's being produced on Syria is itself segmented and targeted towards certain topics often policy-oriented, battlefield-oriented, 
or politicized in one direction or another. Exceptions to all of this, of course, exist. But these exceptions do not animate the received knowledge on Syria in total after 2011. To be clear, we are not talking about general differences of opinion here, which exist in times of absolute peace as well. We are referring to an increasingly and radically different context and reality after 2011. And I'll just say a couple of words that the yield here, the outcome of all of this, even though this is going to be discussed further, and the implications will be discussed further, the yield is that we have several gaps, spatial and temporal, that actually compel and invite humility on our part and the part of people producing knowledge on Syria. We therefore aspire to proceed with this humility in mind as we venture into this podcast project and as we produce knowledge on Syria. In addition to the humility, and that's my last point, we are asking more of ourselves and we need to ask more of ourselves to fill some of these gaps. My colleagues will address the contours of such an effort as we write about Syria, particularly in relation to research and methodology and broader objectives. Thank you very much, Bassam. Yes, I think this is a a huge topic that could be a series of episodes. But just to highlight one point that, as you mentioned, there is a huge fraction knowledge of production, but also there is a commodification of this research. So huge investment in universities and research centers happened, occurred in the last decade on Syria. And it is a demand-driven, donor-driven in many aspects, which has increased the production, but didn't increase our understanding in a better way. Having said that, of course, there is many positive contributions that we can appraise and we can understand and learn from. Uh, Omar, do you have any comment or uh, do you want to suggest some issues related to knowledge production? I think just one comment, which I was going to bring up as well when I talk about another aspect of the podcast, is that there is um, the landscape of knowledge production. Obviously, this schism that Bassam talks about after 2011 is greatly vast, much, much vaster than anything before. And so there's a complexity that ranges from academic to think tanks, to activists, to journalists, to wide audiences who are completely unfamiliar with Syria. And I think, and this is something I think to take seriously, is that it's not, these schisms don't fall in ways that you might anticipate. So it's not necessarily that academic research is unproblematic and think tanks are problematic. It's not necessarily that there's some, you know, activists are just sort of biased and non-activists are not. And it's much more complicated than that. It's not to imply that, you know, there's more robust uh, knowledge production in just in one sector, but it's the entire landscape that we really need to actually examine and sort of think about what makes for actually solid research on Syria. Yeah, thank you very much, Omar. To follow up with you on the second objective that we are looking for, which is very connected to the issue of knowledge production, addressing the critical review of the mainstream epistemologies and methodologies. How we see that changing the methodologies and the way that we understand and develop research is very important to improve our understanding of Syria and pave the ground for the future, and how also, we connect between researcher institutions across the globe. So this accumulation of knowledge helps in countering the conflict, in bridging the gaps, and increasing the solidarity. Thanks so much. That's a really important topic that we want to grapple with in the podcast.
and I second Bassem's call for humility. I second Bassem's call for reflection. And I think what is needed is a serious accounting, serious and honest conversation about research production, which flows from some of the challenges of knowledge production that Bassam mentioned, as you said. And I indicated some of them. We have basically a vast amount of research landscape about Syria. So what we'd like to do is to actually subject this research landscape and also to highlight actual research that is being conducted and to sort of discuss it with its authors and with the different networks that are producing it. And I think, you know, a lot of us, maybe many of the listeners as well, over the past decade has seen a lot of research that they felt is solid, robust research. And they've seen other kinds of research that they felt was problematic. So the question is, what is it that makes for solid research? What is it that makes for high quality research? I can't claim, and we won't claim that we are the final arbitrators on this, but the question is, you know, how can we think about it? And that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to open it for discussion. What does it mean to have evidence-based research on Syria uh, versus advocacy, right? What is the difference between advocacy and research? Obviously, the lines are porous sometimes, especially in the context of war, especially in the case of conflict. But at the same time, where should those lines be drawn and in what way do they manifest themselves? What is the problem with research that basically has already reached the conclusion from the start where you already have the conclusion and you're just sort of adding a bunch of footnotes and a bunch of interviews to basically reach the conclusion that you already have versus research that starts off that is actually open-ended, open to different possibilities and perspectives and viewpoints. All of these, I think, are, are really crucial questions that don't have easy answers, but that haven't been grappled with because of the constant drive of research as produced by the news cycle, that is produced by donor-driven agendas, as you mentioned, that is produced by certain networks that embed themselves in, quite frankly, the foreign policies of states in the region or internationally. So there's a lot of things to grapple with, and obviously there's a lot of things to unpack and different dimensions. So you mentioned one of them, which is, you know, how can we actually highlight and think about research that attempts to create networks and bonds between researchers, activists, movements, groups who are actually working on Syria, uh, Syrian civil society, research that not just basically follows an extractivist model where there's a specific goal, there's a specific theme, and then you search for different audiences that you can extract information from and then go publish it. But research that actually generously engages with these audiences, that also is accountable to these audiences, that subjects its outputs to uh, civil society, to actually Syrian experts, not just in the case of outputs, but in the inputs as well. Are you producing collaborative research, inclusive research, participatory research? Those methodologies need to be examined. I think another aspect of this is that Syria and research about Syria has a lot to teach us. And I think we want to look at the lessons learned. What are the new methodologies that were created in quantitative or qualitative research? What were the pitfalls about research that researchers discovered when, when researching Syria? What new approaches to, for example, measuring the economy during times of conflict, during a situation where the country has been partitioned in a de facto manner? What does it mean to actually examine national income accounting? To just give one example of the kind of challenges the Syrian Center for Policy Research does. So really, all in all, what we want the podcast to do is not just to focus on the narratives and the knowledge production, but actually to look at the research itself, to highlight 
important examples of solid research and to sort of grapple through these complexities and different layers that I think will help us actually have an impact moving forward. Impact in a sense of having dialogue with the research community, having a space where we can actually think through the ethics of these questions and produce alternatives that we actually can help break the deadlock, break the stalemate, and find a way out of our current impasses. Thank you very much, Omar. Sam, do you have any comments? Do you want to add something? I just want to highlight that in addition to the point of the rupture and the schism, and with the caveat that knowledge production by scholars doesn't necessarily have an extra value compared to other knowledge production in general, in addition to all of this, what Omar is suggesting and addressing is crucial in trying to overcome the deeply polemical knowledge production on Syria. I mean, one way to do that, and even though all topics have the same situation in terms of the breadth of knowledge production on it and the difference of opinion, but the vast gaps between different knowledge producers on Syria after 2011, which have caused a lot of conflict, can actually be mitigated by proper methodologies, evidence-based work, and the kind of pointers that Omar is addressing. I don't think this is anymore a, a choice or something that you do as part of you know your professional work. I think it's mandatory that we establish the highest standards of uh, research methodologies, approaches, and evidence-based work in order to mitigate that sort of polemic context. Yeah, and I will take it from there to the third objective, our critical understanding of the knowledge of production, developing new approach and frameworks and methodologies is very important, but to what end? That's the third objective, improving our diagnosis and understanding and engagement with the society to overcome the different layers of submission that we are living in the different layer of lack of balance of power, the different layer of authoritarianism. So I think the podcast is a small, tiny contribution, but to improve our tools, our forms of conducting substantive democracy. The first issue is how to engage with people with respect, with high ethical code is very important. How we engage with the people to improve our knowledge as a researchers and also to improve the dialogue. And I think open public dialogue is the key tool for us to represent people. We don't have any other tool now. Everything related to, to elections, not just in our region, is manipulated by fund or by political oppression and by other actors. So this is a transformation from engaging with people with a proper methodologies to reach alternatives and options together. This is a pressure against the oppressors. This is a pressure against the mainstream methodologies. Now, after COVID-19, we have a recovery policies, which has repeated everything that was the, the root of the social movement in the region. So the challenge is not just internal. It's a challenge to the mainstream, the key actors who are imposing. If you now criticize the market economy, the only answer is that you are proposing the Cuba model. So although we have this huge failure around the world, so looking for hope is to 
come back as as a power from knowledge and from the society to pave the way for alternatives and to increasing our bargaining power as a people, as researchers, against the key actors who are leading this region for a degradation era. So it is a kind of resistance to the submission, to the common sense that we can't do anything, to the lack of hope, and to the tendency of many of the people to, to migrate from the region. Of course, this is a very wide objectives that we are talking about, but I think it is a starting point to think in the right direction. Thanks, Rabia. And I think that's that's really important because I think everyone involved with Syria at any level is is really... Uh, trying to grapple with and think about what are the next steps, how can we find more just solutions, how can we find ways that we actually can address some of the quite catastrophic processes that have you know, befallen Syria and, and that many Syrians are experiencing today at different levels, be it through the legacy of the conflict, be it through various economic and humanitarian downturns, as well as the global pandemic and the legacy of the global pandemic. So I think it's very important that the podcast for all of us actually tackles these issues. But Sam, do you have any uh, comments on that? No, I mean, more of the same of what you shared. I am hoping that the essence of what we all discussed today will will come out in various uh, iterations throughout uh, the podcast. And I hope that we can also pinpoint perhaps practical and specific approaches for those who would like to overcome these many hurdles that we have been discussing for a particular purpose, of course. So I am looking forward to further discussion on this and in a more practical feel of of what it means to say there's a schism in knowledge production, what it means to say we have to be humble, we have to have a humility about knowledge production and the judgments we make, and what it means to say we have to adopt evidence-based approaches and proper methodologies and address things from a social justice perspective. So I feel that this would be educational, including, of course, for for us as well. Thank you, Bassam. And thank you, Rabia. And with that, we've reached the end of our first episode. We all agreed that we wanted to keep it as brief as possible to introduce and lay out the main issues. But as you can see, we really have a very ambitious agenda. We have a very ambitious scope of where we want to take this podcast. I'm personally incredibly excited about this from a personal and sort of organizational perspective. I think we just scratched the surface of the topics that we want the podcast to tackle and really looking forward to the next steps. But Sam, do you want to comment a little bit? I wanted to say that now more than ever, I think we need collective thinking at various levels to overcome the conflict and legacy of injustices in Syria. It is it is a blessing and urgent matter. It is not basically... A, quote unquote, a normal, if there's a normal anymore situation, we need this sort of new thinking, this new, uh, this evidence-based approach and conversations, and we need to be innovative and we also need to be inclusive. I mean, that is a huge challenge because of the rift between the various camps that are producing knowledge on Syria, who before the conflict actually were very much on the same page. And now uh, you read knowledge on Syria or, or articles or statements. And it's almost as though people are talking about different things, even though they're talking about the same thing. So there is a need to try to reach out as much as possible and to be made a bit uncomfortable by connecting and engaging with, with others who might not see eye to eye. And our approach 
of focusing on evidence-based work helps reduce that sort of tension. Thank you, Bassam and Omar. And we are planning to use different formats for this podcast in terms of discussing results of research, designing of research projects, the impact of knowledge production on the ground, assessment or the impact of some interventions, the reaction of different actors. So we will have different formats to, to this discussion, which we will keep it rich, hopefully, and you are our listeners and your feedback will be part of this partnership. I think this, this was a very rich discussion. Thank you very much, Bassam and Omar. And we'll see you all in the next episodes. Thank you all. Thank you. Listen to Syria Alternative Dialogues, a cooperation between Syrian Center for Policy Research, Security in Context, and the Arab Studies Institute. You can access this podcast on SoundCloud and the Syrian Center's page, www.scpr-syria.org.